Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the True Story FM Entertainment Podcast Network. And I'm Pete Wright, and today, Super Sniffer jumps to action. Today we're talking about Minute 59, which begins with the only name in clean energy right now and ends with Cap storming out. Back on the show, it is Bubba Wheat from the It's Time to Rewind podcast. Hello, Bubba Wheat. I am neither wearing a spangly outfit, nor am I a fuse. (laughs) Stop lying. We can see your spangly outfit from here. (laughs) Oh, this is, uh, we're continuing our conversation between uh, Bruce, Tony, and Steve as they're arguing about this, uh, you know, what is Fury up to? What is S.H.I.E.L.D. actually trying to do here? This is the point in the conversation where we're shifting to Tony and what he's up to talking about his clean energy and how he's kind of the only name in clean energy right now, which I don't know. There's something about that that sounds so anchorman that uh, I, I just kind of love the way that it comes out of his mouth. But um, yeah, this I, I like that this is kind of the wrap up of the conversation. How does this play for the two of you? I, I like the interplay between these two because it's it's an argument, but for the most part, especially at this point, it's fairly civil and they are kind of uh, doing their best to get uh, their points across. And I, I think that they all do make good points. Right. It's civil. It's not quite civil war just yet. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. <laughs> Points on the wall. I uh, I like it for a number of reasons. First of all, some of the the way that the transitions are are performed of these lines, I think, work really well. Uh, it, it, you know, historically not awesome. Or uh, in a few hours, I'll know every dirty secret Shield has ever tried to hide. Blueberry, like that little transition, is great. The best one for me is <laughs> Tony says, "Which one of us is a wearing a spangly outfit and b not of use?" And Bruce says very quickly, Steve. And then there's a beat. And then he says, tell me none of this smells a little funky to you. That works on, on two awesome levels. One is he's he could both agree with Tony by saying, Steve, he's the one who's wearing a spangly outfit and not of use to be. Use it as a transition line to say things smell funky, right, Steve? And I think that is really a, a smart double layer on this joke that I may be the only one who hears. It's funny that you read it that way because I... I mean, I, and I can absolutely see why, like, how it can be read that way. The way that I end up reading it, though, is, is, is Bruce seeing a problem that Tony is just about to, uh, to, like, he's opening this can of worms. They're going to start this fight because Tony is saying something that just is like going to push Steve's buttons too far. And I see Bruce as coming in to say, hold on real quick. Let me shift this back to the real focus here. So Tell good, right? Yeah. That's it's, a third. I mean, yeah. That's yeah. a third way to read it. I love it. It works on all three of them. Yeah, and it goes back to, you know, him being experienced in conflict avoidance. So, you know, it, it's not yeah. even, he's so good at, at avoiding his own conflicts that he just falls into the, the habit of uh, of avoiding conflicts around him as well. Yeah. Straight up great. Great, nuanced, little comedic performance from all three of these guys. Uh, and I feel like I've leaned in hard on the joke of, of Captain America um, being able to sniff out a cover-up. And I had forgotten until we got back to this minute 
that he actually says things smell funky and then Steve leaves the room as if he just smelled the cover up. <laughs> and that personally feels like a victory. <laughs> I smell a cover up. <laughs> it's a funky one. <laughs> the conversation here is, I mean, it's very interesting. It's really going into, I mean, I guess we're at the start of the minute. It really is kind of the, the end of the clean energy focus. And, and I mean, Bruce's point is great. Like, why didn't S.H.I.E.L.D. bring Tony in on the Tesseract project? Yeah. What are they even doing in the energy business? Like, both of those questions are so smart. It's just like, yeah, there's definitely something that we need to be thinking about in here because this isn't making sense in the slightest. But then the conversation shifts because this is where Tony reveals to these two that he has bugged their system and is decrypting every file that that shield has secured which you know i suppose might be a little over a little bit of an overreach as far as like hmm. well is it also an overshare like why do you think what is tony's motivation for sharing this with these guys because he has a a a, a relationship he's building as a comradeship with bruce but he's kind of got some antagonism toward steve what's his motivation for sharing is it just ego yeah, I think it's just arrogance. You know, he, he thinks that, you know, he can share this and not have any consequences because, you know, he's Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah. He, he always is, uh, you know, the, uh, act first, uh, and then uh, ask for forgiveness later if he needs to, you know, and just deal with whatever mess that he created. And I suppose that's the situation here is he's just, he's ready to jump in. And, and I suppose there is this level of, uh, in a way, it's kind of a, a power move in a response to Steve's comment earlier about, you know, just, you know, you have a job to do. And, and Tony had said, don't you think that I'm doing it? And this is kind of continuing that conversation. Like, I, this is me doing my job, trying to figure out exactly what's going on. And so there's yeah. this level of this is how smart I am, is I've been already working on this problem from the minute I got into this ship. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I, I think you're right. I think the read on Tony is he, he cares much more about demonstrating prowess, uh, and less about consequences of, of just like radical transparency. Yeah. Well, and you know, his whole thing is he always wants to look good, right? Mm -hmm. But, and, and he'll do everything he can to continue looking good. But as we have, seen proven in his uh the two films that we've already had with him as a character is like while that is certainly the case at the same time he is very much somebody who wants to make sure that that uh the right things are done and so that's what i like about him as a character is that there's this level of him acting this way to kind of keep his persona of this tony stark character that we've come to know while at the same time he's really is trying to figure out how to do the right thing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And and he also doesn't shy away from making other people look bad in that, <laughs> that process, yeah, right? Right, right. And and I think that uh, especially at this point in in the the storyline, there's also an element of his willingness to bring in Captain America basically to what he believes is his side because he's willing to share this information with Captain America. He is, you know, offering a, a friendly gesture. He's offering him a blueberry 
which, you know, that can be a sign of, you know, you can see that it's just the comedic beat, but you can also see it as, you know, this is an olive branch, you know, I'm offering you a blueberry for you to see that I'm not telling this, I'm not telling you this in terms of antagonism, I'm telling you this in order to you to open your eyes to what's really going on, because I think that you can do something with it, which he eventually does. Like at this point, he's not really willing to, to hear it and, and see it because it kind of goes against his beliefs, but it, it does start to work its way in. And then, you know, he, he walks away and then we do eventually see the outcome of this conversation and that it does work its way into Captain America. Which obviously is important, and it's going to be a big part of his character kind of moving forward. Yeah. I I do like to think that the Blueberry offering here, uh, the reason Steve doesn't respond to it is because, again, he is still upset that uh, right after he offered some to Bruce in our last minute, he didn't immediately offer him them at that point. <laughs> Does Is there ever a Blueberry callback? I don't think so, but I feel like there really should be. Man, that's a choice missing callback. Like even just later, like in Endgame, old man Steve sitting on a bench eating blueberries. <laughs> that would be enough for me. That'd be so perfect. That that should have been the olive branch at at the end of so that that should have been the olive branch. <laughs> like after the resolution of Civil War, Captain America <laughs> offers, <laughs> you know, Steve offers uh, Iron Man, you know, Tony Stark a blueberry. Yeah. Oh. Like right after that scene where they're they're facing off in this in the like bunker. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Blueberry? That would have been perfect. <laughs> perfect. We fixed it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I think that's what we just did. <laughs> All right. An intelligence organization that fears intelligence. Do you feel like that's that he's describing describing it accurately? Is it um because they didn't hire him? Is that what he's, is that what we think he's saying? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think, you know, him saying an, an intelligence agency that fears intelligence, aka Tony Stark, the most intelligent man on the planet. How are you reading it, Pete? Well, I don't know. It, it, that, that I feel like is way, is his way of saying, look, you're saying that the intelligence organization, like you're, that, that they don't want to know what you have to offer. And Tony's saying, but wait, I offer intelligence. And if you're saying that they don't want me around, then they're keeping secrets and that's bad. Right? Like, that's the catch-22 that he's sort of pulling out. And, and so, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily know that this line for me is not, is really driven by ego. To me, this is, this is really driven by him trying to point out the fact that there's a hole in Steve's ideological purity that equates to we're not hearing the whole story. If what you're saying is true, then they are keeping secrets. And we need to know about that. We can't do our jobs if we don't know about that. Hence, you know, I don't have all the variables. It's an interesting line. And I think that it can be interpreted a number of different ways because it is coming out of uh, Tony Stark, who's saying, like, if Bruce had said this, I 100% think your interpretation would be an accurate reading of it. Because Tony is saying it, I think that there is a little more give I mean, you're probably right. It probably is that, but I think there's definitely this level of the, of, and not necessarily so much ego, but just saying, like, they should have been bringing me in. I could have been figuring all this stuff out so much quicker for them, you know? 
Like we could have been so much farther along. Yeah, but I feel like we've already passed that point of the conversation. Like he's already he's already outed himself as as like decrypting all the files. Now he's just really saying there's a re- here's why I'm doing this because yes, I know I'm smarter than all of you. And that's for, that's table stakes. But also I have a purpose and I feel like we're missing something and I'm going to solve I'm going to be the one that solves that problem. Well, and it's also coming though after he says that he is basically breaking into all of their secured files, which I, I, I think that there's also an element in there of, you know, maybe too much overreach as far as like what he's actually going to be able to access now is a lot of stuff that he probably shouldn't access. And but now he will have it. And does that seem does that seem right? But Andy, if you're going to break into some secret files, Break into all the secret files. How will you ever know you don't have the right secret file? Ah, I see. I see. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to help you understand the way secret files work. You always break into all the secret files. Just take them all. (laughs) That's the way it works. We learned that in war games. We learned, now we're learning it again today. Yeah, we've got the, you know, the one secret file that is the secret weapons program, and then the other secret file that's you know, all the S.H.I.E.L.D. employees' social security numbers. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> We're about to dox Galaga guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's really his, his whole modus yes. operandi here, is like, that's I really it. need to, that's, that's unacceptable. Ah, uh, well, all right. Um, what do you think about uh, Steve's outfit? Is it too spangly in this movie? <laughs> it's a little tidy. I'm not going to say spangly, but a little <laughs> tidy. <laughs> it looks very fabricy to me. I, I like that. You know, I like the progression of how he eventually loses the stars on on his outfits in, in later movies to show how he becomes disenfranchised with the government and with shield but and and this i, I don't think it, it's too bad like it, it's not it's not a bright blue it is kind of a darker blue and it's especially on this close-up you can kind of see it has a nice textured fabric feel to it I, uh, I, I'm mostly with you. The problem I have is that when he is with the other Avengers, they're all wearing obvious leather, which feels much more field appropriate for soldiers. And I, I think you're right. Like this looks more fabricy in more places than anybody else by comparison. So I think it's a little bit ridiculous. To, this outfit is a little bit ridiculous and to watch it like mature into his like ultimate uh leather outfit is much more satisfying this one it feels much more comic-y and cartoony yeah i think that's I, where I, I land i i fluctuate back and forth with it and i think there are times where i'm okay with it and there are times where i'm like rolling my eyes at it and I don't know. I, the fact that he's just so casually like walking around the ship in it like, through this whole, all of this, it really, and then you have these moments where it's just like, why is he still wearing that? It really starts making it look very costumey. It just doesn't stand up quite as well and, right. as it, as it does like when he's battling and stuff. So it's, it is one of those outfits where I appreciate that they were, at least with his character, aiming for something a little more kind of comic book accurate at this point. But sometimes I wonder if maybe we should have been, um, I mean, he, 
I liked the way they were blending in elements from like more real military kind of things that he would be wearing back yeah. in the forties, like in the last movie. And here I'm just like, I wish that there was a little more of, uh, of that kind of continuation at this point. Cause it, it does have like the utility belt. Yeah. Utility belt. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's a utility exactly. belt over the underoos though. Like it to take Tony's line later. I think that's a really interesting thing that I have to think back to Colson's line earlier that Colson had some input into this suit <laughs> and Maybe that's what I'm complaining about, which I shouldn't be. Maybe that's the joke that this is Colson's homage to Steve Rogers' role throughout history, and we should just be okay with that. Yeah, because Colson is is the Captain America super fan. The so ultimate he would, super he, fan. So he exactly. would want to keep it looking like Captain America. I, I think my biggest complaint is especially looking at the more modern versions. I I do not like how the hood looks whenever it's pulled down. I think that looks a little funky. Yeah, it, it almost looks like either either too kind of shriveled up back there, or like it's just not going to hold right when he puts it on. Like it'll just keep pulling itself back off or something. Like, well, he, uh, even even whenever it's like you know whenever it's in full costume, like whenever it's pulled down properly. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, it's uh, it's definitely something interesting. We'll be talking about it a lot more over the course of the show. Um, I don't know. I think that's everything for today. Any last thoughts on Minute 59 or anything else this week? No, I, I don't think so. It's been a good week. All right. Well, let's wrap it up here. Uh, Bubba Wheat, thank you so much for joining us for the last four episodes. We certainly appreciate you uh, uh, contributing and joining us for these conversations. Yeah, it's it's been a pleasure. It's it's always, you know, I I don't watch nearly as many superhero movies as I used to, but it's it's always I am always happy to talk superhero movies, and it's always good to get an excuse to to watch more superhero movies now that I've kind of transitioned into time loop movies as my yeah. <laughs> uh, as my uh, niche, my movie niche. That's absolutely right. Well, tell everybody about where they can find those. Uh, sure. And once again, I kind of, my main podcast is It's Time to Rewind, where I focus on uh, time loop movies and I break them down one loop at a time. I do have a, another uh, podcast over at the Rabbit Hole Podcast Network. Um, it's where I'm a part-time host. It's called Roll for Podcast. It's fairly new and it only comes out once a month. I think we're just... Uh, we just recorded the third and fourth episodes and it's a, an improv podcast where, uh, you know, several of us, you know, about three or four of us will, uh, um, there is a, like a dice chart and we each roll a die and that determines what character we are portraying for the episode. And, uh, we also roll to see what the discussion is and what the type, what type of show we're doing and and that's been a lot of fun as well and uh like the the first episode i um my character was a dog that just learned how to talk in uh, how to speak english which I, apparently i haven't fully mastered yet <laughs> that's awesome that sounds crazy uh really interesting um well check that out everybody we'll have the links in the show notes for that along with all of other uh, along with bubba wheat's other projects and uh if you're not seeing the show notes in your podcatcher just go to our website marvelmovieminute.com you'll see everything there 
That's it for today. We'll be back with another guest tomorrow to talk about Minute 60. I believe Ryan Dalton, author, will be back joining us for that. So uh, that's it for today, Pete. Thanks as always. This episode brought to you by the North American Blueberry Resource Committee. Blueberry, universal sign of friendship. (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>